For the News and Observer, I'm Don Vaughn, Capitol Bureau Chief and host of Under the Dome, and you're listening to our latest episode for the week of December 11th, 2023. Today, I'm here with higher education reporter Corey Dean and Micaiah Simonera, who was our politics intern this past summer. You'll recognize her voice from a few episodes of the podcast a few months ago, and she is now a McClatchy Southeast Region real-time reporter. So Corey and Micaiah are on this week to talk about some things we've talked about before, about higher ed and politics crossover. And this is a big one. You all have been working for a long time on a project that's now published, newsobserver.com or observer.com if you're in the Charlotte area, about uh, kind of political influence in higher education and what that means on the ground um, at uh, UNC, but how that compares to Florida. And you know a little bit more about Florida and Micaiah. So I guess the, my first question is for you on how this came about and why Florida is the state that you all decided to compare North Carolina to. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for those who don't know, I am from Florida. I've lived in Florida the past 22 years of my life. And I think, you know, talking to Corey and just kind of seeing what Corey was reporting on, there's a lot of things where um, you see it and you're like, oh, this happened in Florida one or two years ago. And um, we just kind of talked through some big examples like the Civic Center um, at UNC, also being at UF, um, you know, controversy around presidential searches, things of that nature. Um, And we saw, you know, those similarities and we got together and we were like, you know, we should do a project on this just because it seemed like there was a lot a lot going on that had already happened in Florida and was now kind of, you know, working its way through in North Carolina. So the publication timing, which worked out perfectly, really, <laughs> this, this past week with the news about UNC Chapel Hill Chancellor Kevin Guskowitz with as we record this, you know, they finally they need to flip a final switch for it all to, to go together. But basically, Guskowitz is leaving for Michigan State, not Michigan, Michigan State, for uh, those that um, (laughs) would uh, parse out that (laughs) difference between the two schools. So um, Governor Cooper put out a statement um, saying that legislative interference is essentially driving people away. His statement on Thursday was, as the nation's leading public university, UNC attracts worldwide leaders to the office of chancellor but meddling from legislative appointees is driving them away, Cooper said, because the GOP legislature seized university trustee appointments and installed hard right appointees on the UNC Board of Governors. Our reputation is beginning to, to suffer. And then Cooper goes on to say, and here's this report from the Governor's Commission on the Governance of Public Universities in North Carolina that he commissioned this summer. So obviously that's the Democratic governor's take on on what this all means with interference, but it's more than just Guskowitz, it's different things. And how, um, Corey, do you think that it's been the past few years changed, just a general trend on uh, the the General Assembly getting involved in higher ed? I think you have a comment from one person in y'all's stories that says, well, this is just how it is because it's public, but it's what's what's been going on recently? Yeah, I mean, I think this can kind of be one interesting difference between Florida and North Carolina is that in North Carolina, it does seem that this has kind of been a much slower buildup. Um, you know, Ron DeSantis became governor of Florida, I think, in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So so a lot of these changes in higher ed, um, you know, targeting like diversity efforts and things like that have really ramped up since 2018, even since 2020. But 
in North Carolina, you can trace um, a lot of those similar things that are now happening back even to like 2010 when Republicans gained control of the General Assembly. They then got to make appointments to university governing boards. They've consolidated those appointments among themselves, among the Board of Governors, which is also appointed by the legislature. Um, and so I do think it's been um, slower here, but um, has definitely stemmed from those things um, and maybe has ramped up in recent years. I mean, I think, um, you know, again, like Micaiah said, things that have happened in Florida, um, like ban there was a ban this session in North Carolina on compelled speech and university hiring and admissions, but a similar bill had passed in Florida a year or two ago. Um, so I do think while it has been a slower buildup, some of those more concrete examples that we saw, but, you know, of comparisons between Florida and North Carolina have ramped up, I would say, you know, in the past three, four years or so. So if these are Republican led efforts with the legislature, why why is there something that that they need to why are they looking for a change to how things have maybe been recently? What have you seen in North Carolina and Florida? DeSantis obviously is a more of a nationally known figure, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's running for president and was already pretty well known before that. So what um, is it around the um, diversity, equity, and inclusion? And so they want to legislate changes that way. Is tenure uh, like a Republican party or just like what, like the past couple of years of something that, um, that lawmakers have been listening or that have wanted to do something about, like to change or? I think there are several different issues. I mean, definitely we did see similarities between DEI policies um, in North Carolina and Florida. I would say Florida has been a bit more uh, extreme on that than North Carolina has been so far. Um, on tenure, North Carolina, there was a bill this session that uh, it, it died basically in committee that would have banned tenure for any prospective faculty, which was a more extreme measure than Florida had considered. Florida actually adopted a very similar post-tenure review process to North Carolina. So that was one way that the ideas maybe flowed the opposite way of, of mm -hmm. from going North Carolina to Florida. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I talked to former UNC Chancellor Holden Thorpe, um, who was chancellor two chancellors ago before Kevin Guskowitz. Um, and he talked about the idea of higher ed becoming more politically useful over the past few years. Um, things like Ron DeSantis wanting to target woke uh, mm -hmm. policies, which, you know, are, are pretty clearly he's tying that to DEI. Um, it's, it's become a, a more salient political talking point, I think, um, over the past few years. Is it more of an impact on the faculty or they don't like what the classes that are offered? And then correct me if I'm wrong, but the best way to describe tenure, I guess it's sort of job security. Uh, if somebody wants tenure, they have to go through a bunch of hoops to get it. And that would potentially be a draw for a job, right? That if you wanna go and you've put your time in that you that you work for tenure and, and is that right? Or, and what would eliminating that do? I mean, obviously not all professorships are tenured. I mean, I think the clear impact is that if, you know, targeting tenure does affect faculty, I mean, it, it would affect recruitment um, because it is it's not just about job security. It's about academic freedom and being able to teach topics that might be controversial or, um, you know, might, um, you know, maybe your your university governing boards don't agree with. But you, you know, with tenure, you still have the right to teach those topics. Um, so I think it would. Um, when you talk about, you know, banning t or eliminating tenure, that would 
definitely affect faculty recruitment and retention. Yeah, and I think when you look at bills like Stop Woke, um, which happened in Florida, I believe, two years ago now, um, you see this kind of chilling effect on faculty where they don't know what they can say in classrooms, um, you know, without getting in trouble. Um, when you talk about things like race or gender um, and faculty who don't have certain protections against them, might they might opt out to not even kind of touch on those topics because of the legislation. Corey had mentioned the phrase compelled speech, which has come up at the university level and then also state employees. And it's pretty similar to sort of the anti-CRT uh, language in a bill that didn't become law looking at K-12. And they just kind of went to a larger age group as far as what you can talk about in, in your workplace. Uh, we need to take a break and we come back. We're going to talk about what the next UNC chancellor is going to face and then our picks for headliner of the week and a little update within the headliner on the latest in candidate filing. We'll be right back. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm Capitol Bureau Chief Don Bond here with report reporters Micaiah Seminera and Corey Dean. For the break, we were talking about comparing North Carolina to Florida and higher education, public education, and how politics is at play and all of that. Uh, at the top of the show, we also talked about what uh, Democratic Governor Roy Cooper said about it, and I quoted him where he was talking about them driving away. So now that UNC is looking for pretty soon here, a new chancellor. What's that new chancellor coming into? Micaiah, what's, what are they coming into? What's the climate in North Carolina, do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, from what we saw in our project, talking to different faculty who have left UNC um, in recent years um, for a wide variety of different reasons, but a lot of them did acknowledge kind of an increasingly um, more hostile political climate for them um, in higher education. Um, so I think just kind of looking at from everyone that we spoke to, uh, the next chancellor is going to have to, you know, maybe address or just kind of be aware of those, um, those situations where faculty kind of feel that they have been, you know, um, maybe pushed too much or, um, yeah, just kind of a I guess, nervous about what uh, future legislation is going to be coming for higher education. Mm -hmm. Corey, what, um, I assume the pay is good. So like, what is somebody <laughs> walking into, why would they want to be chancellor? And what, um, what do you already know that the faculty are expecting from that person? Yeah, I mean, I think even with everything that Makai and I wrote about and kind of this path or track that North Carolina higher ed has been on, you know, can, seems like it will continue to be on. Um, I mean, I do think North Carolina has a strong higher education system, especially publicly. I mean, we have, you know, 16 public universities, UNC being the first public university in the country. Um, you know, I do think UNC has historically been a kind of a destination job for higher ed leaders. Um, I do think this search will kind of show whether it still is with all of these political developments going on. Um, and it will be interesting to see whether the next chancellor comes from academia or if they pick someone from the business world or another industry. Um, that is a trend in higher ed nationally. Um, and um, 
you know, I spoke to the faculty chair at UNC and and she was a bit uh, cautious about a chancellor who would not have uh, higher ed experience. Not that it's impossible, but it's certainly kind of its own world in academia and higher ed that um, it would probably be difficult, especially at a place like UNC that is so nationally recognizable to kind of walk into that job assuming that it would be a walk in the park um, or an easy stroll. Um, I think, you know, someone without higher ed experience might find that difficult. I don't know. I, I am not in the market for the job. I do not envy <laughs> the next person who has it. But um, I, I think it would it, it'll be interesting to see kind of what type of person lands in the job. Where are students at play in all of this? Is it that they see the, I mean, with faculty and staff, it's, you know, ultimately their boss and sets the tone of their workplace. But for the students, it's more of it that they're the symbol of the of the university. Where do you see that as far as how the, who a chancellor is um, affects the student? I think they do affect the students. I mean, I went to UNC, I had Carol Full as a chancellor and then was there when Kevin Guskowitz um, stepped into the role as well. And, um, you know, obviously, I think faculty probably do look at that person really more as their boss, as their, you know, academic professional leader. Um, I think students kind of want someone who's fun in a way. You know, I think that is an important trait. But they but students also pay attention to politics. Students also pay attention to the several national scandals or controversies that UNC has been involved in over the past several years. And they see UNC on the national nightly news or, you know, whatever. And um, I think they want someone who can kind of be a strong face in all of that and feel like they're not just kind of like set out to to sink or swim in a way. And I will say on that point, um, you know, coming from UF, where a former U.S. senator became the university's president, um, you saw a lot of student pushback. That was kind of the majority of who was kind of out there um, pushing back against that presidential uh, search and the outcome of that. So. Um, yeah, I think students really do pay attention to that. And, you know, if they don't like the choices that the university makes, um, if there is precedent uh, from Florida, uh, they'll make their voices known on that. All right. Moving on to other news of this past week and the week as you're listening to this, it's the second and final, unless some litigation we're not aware of uh, changes things, of candidate filing and candidate filing time is always a little more interesting than all like the long months of somebody announcing they're going to run or retire, because then when it comes down to make a decision, uh, things change. Uh, we talked about last week that Erin Poiré, who's a Republican state House member, is going to run for Congress. Now she's not running for Congress. She's going to uh, run for her House seat again. What we learned with filing opening up is that Representative Marvin Lucas, a Cumberland County Democrat, who is a, a longtime lawmaker, former principal, sits close to the press corner, so we see him more <laughs> than usual on the floor. He is retiring, as is Kelly Alexander from Mecklenburg County, um, longtime well-known lawmaker. Rosa Gill, uh, closer to, to home here in the Triangle, is not going to run again. Uh, uh, she's also a Democrat. And the Republican side in the other chamber, Senator Joyce Kravick is not running again, and she has been a force for her for her caucus for a while now. One person that uh, some people want to come back, and among them is Elmer Floyd in the House side, filed to run. And if y'all that have uh, been at the legislative building for a few years remember when when he was there in the session before this this passed, 
he would always ask at the end of um, each day session, you know, what time they needed to be here. And it was kind of a running joke on the floor where Moore would tell him, you know, when when to come to work. So anyway, um, we'll move on to our picks for headliner of the week. Mine is also related to candidate filing. So I'll go first. Patrick McHenry of Bowties and Gavel Bangs <laughs> is leaving the U.S. House uh, and going into the private sector. I don't think he's announced. Well, we think he's going in the private sector. What he's actually going to do yet, maybe by the time you all are listening to this, uh, his, his plans will be public. And he opened uh, the floodgates in that Republican primary. It's a Republican district with a lot of different names floated, including state lawmakers. And so really at the end of Friday, you know, people may need to make a decision on what they're doing. They're probably all waiting until the last possible moment because you don't want to put your name in and then find out the one person who could beat you is <laughs> adds later and you're already in there. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Makaya, who or what is your headliner of the week? Yeah, so my headliner of the week is food related and um, I'm going with Cosmics, which is a spinoff restaurant chain um, from McDonald's. They announced this yesterday. They're opening up um, a new location, I believe, this weekend um, in Illinois, and then they'll also be opening up in Texas. But it's a beverage led chain, so it's kind of like um, just a bunch of different drinks like coffees and slushes and all of these different very vibrant and brightly colored drinks. Um, Called Cosmics? Is it like space? Theme? Yeah, no, it's oh, a space okay. theme. Okay. Like, uh, it's it's actually, <laughs> it's inspired by this like fringe alien character in the McDonald's universe that oh. like just appeared in a couple like 90s commercials and then he never came back, but he's back oh. now wow. in the form they, of Cosmics. Okay, they were playing the long game on that guy. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah they really did, but I do love a sweet treat, so I hope it, you know, is successful and it comes to North Carolina so I could try it. <laughs> okay. Corey, what's your highlighter of the week? Well, we've talked a lot about UNC today. <laughs> I'm a Tar Heel, and I will say I'm very impressed with the way UNC basketball has been playing lately. I feel like after a couple of rough years, we need a good season. and um, you you know, some live action out there. <laughs> I do need some live action. Um, and yeah, I'm feeling good about this team. We had a great win over Tennessee. We did lose to UConn, but I was, they showed great heart and determination. So yeah, okay. go heels. Um, I mean, go Hokies, go Duke. All right. And then go, 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 go <laughs> All right. This ends our politics podcast with some sports and food. <laughs> I'm Don Vaughn for Makai Seminar and Corey Dean. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider. And sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.